Hey there, Hyperfixation Nation. This is the Get Your Fix podcast, where we chat all things fandom, good, bad, and ugly. I am your host, Vaughn, and thank you for joining me as always. Um, If this is your first time listening, welcome. Um, And if you've been with me since the beginning, welcome back. You can read more about the Get Your Fix project um, and subscribe on all your favorite platforms by visiting getyourfixpod.card.co and that's C-A-R-R-D dot C-O. Um, you can also subscribe and turn on automatic downloads. It makes a really big difference. Um, so thank you so much for all the support so far. Uh, I had a really good time talking about Dan uh, Howell on the last episode. Um, I really enjoyed uh, seeing folks reacting to like the British YouTuber craze. Um, so for this week's episode, I'm really excited for my second guest ever. Um, and you've heard me talk about them kind of ad nauseum on here so far. Um, and I'm really excited to get into how our relationship is like influenced by fandom. So, uh, welcome to the Get Your Fix podcast, my fiance, Otto. Hi, I'm Otto. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah. Um, my name is Otto. I'm Vaughn's fiance. Um, I'm a barista and I'm really into lots of different stuff. We have a lot of overlapping fandoms, mm-hmm. mostly um, video games and K-pop these days. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I feel like um, fandom is the reason that we're in a relationship. <laughs> I would agree. I think that that's true. Uh, so I thought it'd be fun before we get into the property for today, because we are going to be talking about a specific property that is influential in our daily life, I feel like. Mm. Um, but before we do that, I thought it'd be fun to kind of just chat about how like fandom like influences our relationship um, and how we navigate life as two people who are like in fandom spaces um, and how that like intersects. So do you want to tell people how we met each other? Yeah, we met each other on K-pop Twitter mm-hmm. um, in like 2018-ish, mm-hmm. I think was when we both started following each other yeah. um, because we had some mutual friends who were all into the same groups, which is to say BTS <laughs> at the time. We're all like former armies, so the truth come out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, who isn't a former army these days? Right, exactly. So, <laughs> but yeah, and so that kind of led us down the path. And then as we got to know each other more, it turned out that we had a lot of fandoms from our paths in common. Mm-hmm. Probably the biggest one being Bandom. So I was really a Panic at the Disco person, but Vaughn was always a follow-up boy person, mm-hmm. um, which means we were kind of ships in the night, probably on Tumblr for several years. Um, but I think we were in different cohorts on Tumblr because I feel like I was really, really heavily on Tumblr, like all of high school. Uh, and I'm also three months older than Otto, which <laughs> you wouldn't think makes a big deal, but it actually really does. There's like a lot of cultural things that were happening in the pop culture world that mm. I just simply didn't experience that Otto did and vice yeah. versa. But I talked about this a little bit on the follow-up episode, but I was like in the Fueled by Ramen universe, like in high school and you got into them as an adult right I didn't get into Panic at the Disco until 2013 and I so I really I mean a lot of people would tell you that Panic at the Disco was over at that point um so really I was kind of riding the waves of something that didn't really exist and it's (laughs) and from its like peak magnum opus form yeah at at least yeah it was kind of an interesting time to join yeah you were kind of like osmosising the remnants of the live journal era whereas like I was like uh, steeped in it yeah, marinating in exactly. it <laughs> so like I was kind of like not as involved on bandom tumblr at that point um so like yeah we weren't we weren't in bandom spaces at the same time 
but we were in K-pop spaces at the same time. But I feel like I was always like a little bit ahead of you mm-hmm. in getting into things. Cause yeah. like I got on K-pop stand Twitter in 2016. Yeah. And I didn't get into it until 2018. So it was kind of all happening all at once. I had one friend um, who was really uh, my kind of gateway into K-pop. That was Nico. And mm-hmm. they were like, once I got into K-pop kind of on my own, like on accident, um they were like oh well I'll just tell my friends to follow you and then um I gained a bunch of new mutuals and one of them was Allie which was Juan's friend yeah and they were friends in real life yeah yeah Allie's one of my best friends from college now Allie's officiating our wedding which is pretty cute very cute yeah so I feel like um one of the things I want to talk about and really focus on on this podcast is that like fandom is important it like does matter yeah in like significant ways Mm -hmm. it's not just like weirdos on the internet yeah freaking out about some some random thing that they like it's like that is part of it oh absolutely (laughs) it will always be part of it but like it also is very much about community and like our community is really rooted in fandom I feel like Mm -hmm. yeah so now we're getting married um thanks Namjoon (laughs) (laughs) and actually thanks Pete once that's true it really goes all the way back to him it really does Cool. So before we get into the property, I wanted to talk a little bit with you about like what what is fandom to you? Hmm. Fandom to me, I think is I think you really kind of summarized it really well, is that it's really largely about community and is about enjoying something um, outside of the vacuum of your own thoughts and opinions about it. I think that having friends and enemies to enjoy things with uh, really makes it like 10 times more interesting. I think that it's yeah. just so much more exciting when you get to learn from each other about whatever it is that you're enjoying. Like you can talk about, like if you have friends who've been into it longer than you or friends who are newer than you, you know, being able to either gain or impart wisdom about things. And it sounds a little bit um, fake deep when I say it like that, but you know, it's it's cool when we get to talk about it from all, everybody's perspective is always different on everything. And so it's really cool when you get to talk about it and share it in that way. Yeah. So. And I don't think it's fake deep because like the whole <laughs> point of this podcast is to deep it. Yeah. That's so true. that's true. <laughs> um, yeah. And like, I think what's funny about us both is as we've gotten older and now we're like, quote unquote, on the older side of fandom mm-hmm. spaces now. <laughs> um, and like, we have some like, elder nerd friends who are in their 40s and I really love talking to them our friends uh Brad and Sun Young are super into fandom spaces and like I think it's like a breath of fresh air when mm-hmm. we get to talk to them about like k-pop and video games and shit yeah, because definitely. they're not lost in the sauce on Twitter yeah lost in the TikTok sauce yeah, yeah exactly but like now that we are older like I I just think it's interesting like watching both of us evolve away from engaging in discourse online yeah it's so much easier to enjoy things now because I'm not worried about what other people think in the way that's like everybody has to think exactly the way that I think, mm-hmm. which I think is, let me just say think six more times, but <laughs> which seems to be really the root of a lot of conflict in fandom is yeah. that people disagree. And when when you learn to just hang out with people who more or less do agree with you, or at least only disagree with you on the non-egregious parts of it, then yeah. it's a lot easier to just vibe because you're just enjoying it and people can come and go as they please around you and you Mm -hmm. still have the benefit of enjoying it with other people but it's not it doesn't feel quite so life and death right to agree and I think it 
is even like in a larger context of like just cultivating a community of people who share your values. Mm -hmm. Because then if you do have a disagreement, you know that you're like rooted in the same core values, right? right? Like you and I will never be best friends with someone who believes in baby girlism. (laughs) Right. Like that's just not going to happen for us, you know? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the property for today. So we are going to be chatting. You probably saw this from the title of the episode, if you surmised it. Um, We're going to be talking about Animal Crossing, which I'm actually so excited about because I feel like this is one of the only uh, fandoms that we share. There's a couple, but I think this is one of the few fandoms that we share that I knew absolutely nothing about Mm -hmm. and that you kind of got me into. Yeah. Like because of us dating. Mm -hmm. So to get us started, um, can you give an overview of the game as a concept? Um, Talking kind of about like the core elements and what what is Animal Crossing actually? Yes. So Animal Crossing is kind of the, I looked at the Wikipedia because I was like, what is Animal Crossing? (laughs) Because it's like, sometimes you know, but then when someone asks you, it's harder to explain. Mm -hmm. But it's really just like, a lifestyle simulator game. Um, The Wikipedia specifically says social simulator, which is kind of funny because unlike your games like Stardew Valley or like Harvest Moon, which are definitely under the same umbrella genre, it's less about completing tasks and more about um, hanging out with your neighbors, Mm -hmm. which really like social simulator really does surmise all of it. It's really a laid back game. You really just like log on and create your guy and then your guy just lives. The time passes in the game the same as it does in the real world. So it's not like Stardew Valley where you go to bed 60 times in one session and uh-huh. it's a new day every time. It's you're like your character is in there living life while you're there or whether you're there or not. Right. Um, so like I said, it's not really task based. It's mostly like you get up and go shopping, you go fishing, you participate in the bug catching tournament uh-huh. and you talk to your neighbors like that's really pretty much it. And do you know who the um, studio creators are? It is literally just Nintendo. It's like a Nintendo purebred product. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's yeah. really cool. Mm-hmm. It's just like a Nintendo original. Yes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. That's really cool. Yeah. So how many iterations of Animal Crossing are there? Um, let's see. There's the first one, the original one, which is just called Animal Crossing. Um, and that's to me the first one because there's one before that that only came out in Japan. Mm. Um, but from what I understand, they're very similar. It was like the first one in Japan only was a Nintendo 64 exclusive. Um, oh, wow. I didn't even realize they had one for the Nintendo 64. Yeah. And then when they put the first one that came to America on the GameCube, it was, they call it like an upgraded version. It, it is, mm. from what I understand, is largely unchanged. It's just kind of up dated and the graphics are a little bit better maybe there's a couple extra things but like um, remastered yeah kind of I think it's more or less the same game so there's that one which is to me the first one is Animal Crossing on the GameCube after that was um, Animal Crossing Wild World was on the regular DS Um, and then there was Animal Crossing City Folk which was on the regular Wii there was no Wii U version there's a Nintendo 3DS version which was um, Animal Crossing New Leaf there's... Okay, I think that was the first one that I'd heard of mm-hmm. was New Leaf. I didn't play it, but I, that was like when I first had an inkling mm-hmm. of the Animal Crossing multiverse. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that, yeah, that's like the first brand recognition that I have. Mm-hmm. There was like a, a mini game, which it, it was like not a fully fleshed out Animal Crossing game. It was Happy Home 
Oh, I don't remember what Oh, the I know what you're talking about. It's like Happy Home something where it's really just about, there's like this functionality in the game, which is called the Happy Home Academy. And you decorate your house that your character lives in, and then they will come and rate the way that you've de decorated it. Mm -hmm. And it is actually based on real like feng shui and like they have like real guidelines that are not anywhere explicitly listed in the game um but that they grade you by which is just a kind of a fun and interesting thing but there's they made a whole kind of separate game that was like more compact that was just you decorating people's houses for them so it was like you it's like those uh home design mobile games it was exactly that but it was like animal crossing with like the skin slapped on yeah um which was fun i enjoyed it because that is one of the parts of animal crossing that i like the most is decorating your house me too um, i loved when which we'll get to new horizons in a mm -hmm. minute but i loved doing our little house together it was yes. so fun yeah it was largely unpopular <laughs> with the rest of the family <laughs> Um, because it had been so long since we had gotten a new entry in the series, like a proper new entry, and then they gave us that, and it was just a little bit frustrating for people, I think. Um, there's also Pocket Camp, which is a mobile version of Animal Crossing. It's similarly not really a fully fleshed out Animal Crossing version. It's more about camping mm -hmm. um, and like visiting other people's campsites and stuff like that. Um, but then lastly, most recently, there is Animal Crossing New Horizons, which is on the Switch. So I feel like you and I often in our day, because we talk about fandom like every day, yeah. probably like <laughs> we're always ha intellectualizing our interests mm -hmm. every day in our home. But I feel like we both have this experience often where we like the the game that nobody else likes because we <laughs> both feel like everyone is playing the game wrong. Yes, I I feel strongly about that a lot of the time. Um, yeah, I think that that happens to us quite often. Yeah, we're <laughs> like, you guys are appreciating the game for what it's supposed to be right. you're not engaging with the medium the way it's designed <laughs> and like so I feel like it, to it totally tracks for me that you like the home design game that nobody else liked because it's like yeah we have we have elevated opinions no, I'm just kidding <laughs> but I do feel like we're often in the minority of how we feel about certain things like that yeah so you just said that the first game to you was the like kind of remastered original game that came out on the GameCube. Yeah. How old were you when you first started playing that game? I must have been like eight or nine. I started playing it in the third grade. So you had a GameCube when you were in elementary school? Yes. Um, it was technically my brother's GameCube and my dad bought it for him. He was allowed to get two games and I begged and convinced my brother to let one of the games be my selection. So I don't even remember what his game was, probably Sonic something. But I convinced him to allow... I convinced him to let me tell my dad that we should get Animal Crossing as our second game. Mm -hmm. um, so we kind of, it was a shared experience for us. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. And so this is also like a point of light contention in our home mm -hmm. that I like lovingly tease Otto about all the time, which was that I did not have a gaming console. <laughs> I was broke. Yeah. I did not play video games really until I was an adult, mm -hmm. actually. Like I never had a GameCube, Xbox, PlayStation. I had a little Game Boy Advance mm -hmm. SP that I just played the same three Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh games on mm -hmm. and Kingdom Hearts 1.5. <laughs> yeah. Chain of Memories. <laughs> but I didn't have like a console. Like I only ever had a handheld. Yeah. And so my experience with video games have always been as an adult. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have those formative experiences with a video game. Yeah. Other than Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh and Kingdom Hearts. Right. Pretty much. Um, so what... Why did you beg your brother to get Animal Crossing? Why did you know that you wanted that game? I don't even remember. I think we had, oh, I wish I could remember what it was called, but GameStop used to have a magazine. They probably still do, honestly. <laughs> probably. Um, 
like everything else about GameStop, it probably has actually died by now, but. <laughs> or it's um, digital or something. Yeah. Game Informer, does that sound right? No, or maybe that's a website, I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> we had a copy of that because we were always buying, um, at the time we, before we got the GameCube, we did also have Game Boys. So mm. we were sometimes at the GameStop getting new Game Boy games. So I think we probably grabbed like a free issue of whatever their magazine was. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a, and it was, it had recently come out when we got it, I believe. Okay. Um, and so there was like a review or something, I believe, maybe like an ad, maybe like a summary. Um, but whatever it was, I was reading it and I just immediately became obsessed with it. Like it was talking about how you could trade with your villagers and how there was a bulletin board and there were events and that you could go fishing. And I was like, this is what I need in my life. I don't <laughs> want to play this game so bad. There was just something, even as a nine-year-old, I was like, this is so quaint. And I just want to experience it it's so different from how my life really is. You were born a depressed millennial. <laughs> you like came out of the womb a depressed yeah, millennial. Pretty much. I was like, I need to ride a train to a town where nobody knows me and hang out with a bunch of dogs. Like <laughs> it really was calling to me, just something about it. Which you actually haven't mentioned that yet, but for people who truly don't know anything about Animal Crossing that might be listening, like mm-hmm. you're the only human in the game. Yes, that's true. Now that I mentioned, I really very much take that back for granted is that you're the only human and you move to a town full of animals, like anthropomorphized animals mm-hmm. who are your neighbors, who are the shopkeeps, who run the museum. Like it's all, it's just a bunch of, and they speak English or whatever language you're playing it in, but they talk to you and it's just like, they're just like walking around doing the same things that you are ostensibly but they're animals and you're a human are you the like town representative in every game not in every game so that's that was new from i think uh it must have been hmm i think new leaf was the first game where you were like you're you literally arrive and they're like what's up mayor and you're like i'm not the mayor i'm just moving here and they're like convinced that you're the mayor and then you just have to fill the role Mm. of mayor um but otherwise yeah before that you're just you're just a resident of the town okay Mm -hmm. so you're just one of the guys yes um so can you kind of like capture the vibe of the first game because that was Mm -hmm. the first one that you played um and so like I want to hear like also about like your first island Mm -hmm. and like what you named it what inspired it like all that but like also just like I want to see if you can convey to Hyperfixation Nation just how fucking weird the first game is. Like the vibes. Yeah, it is pretty weird. Like in hindsight, like yeah. the vibes are unsettling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that, and I think that you would really appreciate it if you really sat down and played it um, because it does have a bit of that like Japanese surrealist, like Mm-hmm. almost like haunted forest vibe it's like not by no means is it a scary game at all like it is very much supposed to be pleasant and like relatively cheerful mm-hmm. um but it does have some elements that are just like it's like it's already weird enough that you're moving to a town that's populated by animals so it's like they kind of just ran with that and we're like let's just kind of make it a little bit weird and unsettling and a little bit spooky mm-hmm. um in some ways but um yeah i think that the first game was just and I, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this more, but I think that none of the rest of the games are like the first game in mm-hmm. like a lot of ways. The first game does have that kind of weird vibe to it. That's like, you're striking out on your own. Like they make references to like, 
like your mom will write you letters um, saying that she misses you because you've just moved away from home. Um, but when you're on your way to wherever you're moving, the, the character who kind of leads you through that experience named Rover makes allusion to like the fact that you have no money. You don't, you're moving to this town, but you don't have a place secured to live. Um, and it's Rover like, is the cat that I like, right? Yes. Rover yeah. is the cat who's riding the train with you at the very beginning of the first game. I feel like when I hear you describe it, mm -hmm. it reminds me of that style of like East Asian media, either like K-drama or like anime that's like targeted toward like a young professional mm -hmm. living in a five by five box apartment on the 20th floor. Yeah. They're just like, soul is being sucked by a corporate job. Yeah. Like, I feel like mm -hmm. it has that kind of like, uh, like I don't know like uh, like aura around it to yeah. me almost and like mm -hmm. kind of yeah like you're saying like about like which I will definitely do an episode on this at some point but like I love more Murakami novels mm -hmm. of that just like really like penetrative loneliness mm -hmm. of being a young adult yeah I think that it does a good job of appealing to both that demographic and also to just straight up children which is what yeah. I was at the time you know and I yeah. still loved it and so it's like a perfect balance of like absurdness that like a kid could laugh at but that also would actually make a depressed adult laugh at you know like I yeah think that, would resonate mm -hmm. yeah because you move to the town and tom nook is like well you don't you can have this house but like you have to pay for it and then he's like oh you don't have any money so i'm gonna put you to work then and you literally like work a quote-unquote part-time job for him for mm -hmm. as the tutorial of the game you're like learning the basic functions of the game by quote-unquote working for him mm. and it is just so absurd that you arrive to this town and he immediately puts you to work just for fun like just because you don't have any money which is already an absurd situation to be in mm -hmm. um and so it really kind of bridges the world between like being a kid and having never had a job and being an adult who would simply never move house without any money or a place to live mm -hmm. but now you're like dealing with the fallout of it it's Kind of yeah funny. I feel like there's a specific kind of person that just like uproots their life mm -hmm. and moves somewhere without a plan yeah. you know like and I think you are that kind of person <laughs> and I think I'm not yeah you know mm -hmm. like we talk about this a lot like you're kind of like a digital nomad sort of yeah. like where you have just no fear packing up your whole life and moving to a new city mm -hmm. and <laughs> that is like extremely challenging for me I'm a very rooted person yeah you know yeah so you're saying like none of the other games kind of have that same mm -hmm. energy as the first game. Yeah. Um, and like, what are some of the elements that you feel like carry through all of the games mm -hmm. that make it what Animal Crossing is, but also what do you feel like sets it apart as the first game? The first game is the only game that doesn't have online multiplayer. And I honestly think that that is an important part of the experience. There is a multiplayer functionality, but I think I tried to describe it to you recently where it's like on the GameCube, you had a memory card that stored all the data for your town. And if you had a friend in real life who also had Animal Crossing and had their own memory card with their own town on it, you yeah. could swap physical memory cards and plug them into your GameCube. Mm -hmm. You actually had to have both. You had to have yours and your friends at the same time. So you could trade back and forth that way but you had to plug both of them into your GameCube at the same time. And then you could ride the train again and take it to their town mm. and then just experience their town, but they wouldn't be there because right. 
it's not like a multiplayer experience. It just like wasn't built out to have two people running around in it at the same time. Yeah. So it was like multiplayer, but it was very multiplayer in like a lonely way, mm -hmm. which I think is just so interesting of like this experience of like passing through a town that you know your friend lives in, but they're not there right now. Yeah. Um, and you can stop by and, and go into their house and like look at how they've decorated, but they just simply won't be there. You can go around and talk to all their neighbors and check out what's in their store for the day, but again, they're not there. And I think that it's a very interesting dichotomy versus every other game after that, which allows you to real time play with your friends mm -hmm. through the power of Wi-Fi, mm -hmm. um, where, you know, you're running around and playing games with them or chatting with them like live, um, as opposed to just simply visiting the town where the ghost of their memory kind of is for the time that you're there. There's so few, I feel like, Nintendo games in particular mm -hmm. nowadays that aren't collaborative. Mm -hmm. Like, the only one I can really think of is, like, the, like, Super Mario-style games. Mm -hmm. Like, Odyssey is the newest one, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, there's no online multiplayer for that. Like, you yeah. literally just are playing, playing the it. game, <laughs> yeah. right? It's, like, I almost feel like in order to be competitive, games have to be, like multiplayer and like mm -hmm. that has to have that online functionality yeah and nobody wants that <laughs> which is just like such an interesting thing that they're pivoting to across all game types and studios and creators and whoever mm -hmm. i think that there's been for a long time like a really big push of like these online multiplayer games when it's like i would actually love to just have a single player story-based game that i can yeah. just play through by myself and not have to worry about it because um, I think that they're just, like I said, like with the original Animal Crossing, I think that there's something that gets a little bit lost and muddied when there's like, and I don't know if this is human nature or the nature that we've had oppressed upon, had pressed upon us through capitalism, but like the commodification of things like items in Animal Crossing yeah. is just such an interesting turn of events to me. Because mm -hmm. um, that's not what it was foundationally about. Right. Not to me, at least. And like, yeah. it's, it's interesting how people, um, have like created an economy around it when mm -hmm. it doesn't really exist in the game yeah new horizons has like a stock market right i mean all of the games have quote unquote the stock market which is s-t-a-l-k which is for the turnips right and yeah. so there is a stock market where you buy turnips on sunday and then throughout the week the price that tom duck will buy them back from you changes and fluctuates mm -hmm. but now with the advent of online playing which again that was since the second game it's been like this um where you if your friend's store has a better price you can go to their their town and sell your turnips there and still mm -hmm. make a profit even so you can if, like farm for turnip prices yes exactly mm -hmm. and so that was like huge during the like 2020 quarantine right when new horizons came out that people were just like making bazillions of bells flying to each other's towns and selling their turnips there which bells is the currency yes yeah. mm -hmm. and bells is always the currency mm -hmm. So like some, like the core mechanics are basically the same. I would say so. Yeah. You still just wake up and you still hang out in your town. Your animals, your neighbors are still animals and they, the time still passes just like it does in real life. Mm -hmm. um, they've, it's mostly stuff that they've compounded, like added on. It's not gotcha. a lot of, not a ton of stuff has been taken away, mm. but a lot of things have been added in. Yeah. Like expanded. Yeah. So what was your, the name of your first island? I'm so glad that you circled back to that because I really wanted to tell the story. My, so as I mentioned, we bought the GameCube and the two games. The games arrived before the GameCube, which as a nine-year-old, like there's literally nothing worse than that. Yeah, that's you have it horrible. In your hand, <laughs> and you simply can't play it. Yeah. 
Um, but so in the couple of days that it took for the GameCube to arrive, I was reading the Animal Crossing manual that mm -hmm. came inside the case just over and over and over again. I wore that thing out just looking at it before I even had the game. And in the game manual, they have like tutorial, like instruction screenshots for you to like explain to you how to set up your town or whatever. And the tutorial character that they put in the manual, I don't even remember what the name of the girl was, but like the town that they put her in was called My Town. And when I started up the game for the first time, I was like, I'm going to tell him that I'm also going to My Town so that I can play with this girl. Oh. I didn't realize that it was a solitary experience at the time. Well, how, how would you know? You're like an eight-year-old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But so I had put in my town because he like asks you when you're on the train. He's like, so where are you going? And he, you can type in where you are going. Mm -hmm. But that's it's like just, the immersive. Yeah, that's just the name that your town then has right after that. Right. And so I typed in my town thinking I'll get to play with this girl. It'll be great. I'll have at least one friend. Oh, <laughs> I, I know. And um, you can imagine my disappointment when I arrived and she was not there. <laughs> That's hurting my feelings. <laughs> but it's just like so interesting that how like my perspective on it has changed because I so badly wanted to play it with someone at the time. Yeah. And now I have no choice but to play it alone, really, because nobody else plays it anymore. Like, yeah. I think everybody kind of plays it, but nobody is like playing online like we were in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't really want to play online with other no, people. No, I, I don't really. There's You like, like come, like you've done like a 180 on yeah. that where like you wanted to exactly. play with a friend so bad and now you're like... I think playing online is antithetical to the purpose <laughs> of Animal Crossing. I don't think it's completely antithetical, but yes, largely <laughs> I do. But yeah, and so that was the name of my first town was My Town. That's really cool. Um, yes, and it was a great place to live. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> um, who was your first villager? My first villager, like my my character or the no neighbor. like the oh neighbor okay yeah see i like i said i'm it's hard though all the words are pretty interchangeable to be honest um so. yeah because like you're the villager yeah right but mm -hmm. then you have neighbors mm -hmm. but ostensibly if you were to go into the brain of one of your neighbors mm -hmm. they would also be villagers right yeah and i like i said i think villager encompasses everyone who lives in the town okay you're human or animal so i just wanted to be sure yeah so your first neighbor i don't remember my very first neighbor but there's like a small handful of characters that i remember from my first uh town which back then it wasn't islands you lived in a forest town oh right is islands is just new horizons right it, uh yes i think so mm -hmm. so my you all can tell that i've only played new horizons <laughs> that's okay we welcome all newcomers but um <laughs> yeah i the first couple that i remember were mitzi who was a siamese cat there was mm. pearl who was a calico cat and there was tangy who was a cat um colored like an orange she had an, uh, a green leaf on her forehead and she was orange um, which was very on brand for you and your childhood home overrun with cats yes definitely <laughs> um there were a couple other characters but um those were the three that I remember the most mm -hmm. they were probably the first ones that I introduced myself to I think they were there on like day one mm. yeah and then I know you had Leopold I did have Leopold there was also Gaston who was a yellow rabbit um and uh nate who was a bear he looks eerily similar to tangy he was orange and his mono brow was green and it kind Ooh. of looked like yeah it looked like kind of a bastardization of tangy but um yeah like a worse version yeah um 
And then I also had Limburg for a while, who was a rat who looked like cheese. And he had like he had like five o'clock shadow. Is that like a pun for something? Yeah, it's like a type of cheese. Oh, um, cheese. I, I think is the real name, but his name is Limburg. I see. Yeah, I see. Oh, I think Markiplier did a video eating Ew. Limburger cheese. <laughs> it's apparently very stinky. It's it is. Stinky yeah, ones. he said his dad loved it. I, this is all. I'm. It's. I'm having a. <laughs> I'm. I'm picturing Mark gagging on camera. <laughs> cool. So. For each of the games, like you said, it was kind of additive, right? Mm -hmm. Like they would like add things in. Mm -hmm. And like, do you have mechanics from each of the games that you like that you feel like enhanced the experience? Yes. I would say from the first game, it was the dump, mm -hmm. which seems goofy, but I just loved that there was a dump that you could literally like you could drop things there. And then I think it was Mondays and Thursdays, it would disappear. It would be gone. They would take it away. Like the dump people would come. You uh -huh. never saw them, but it would just be gone. Uh -huh. But also every day you as the player could go there and every day there would be different stuff that ostensibly your other neighbors had left there that they didn't want anymore that was just free to take. And there was usually a shirt, a set of stationery, and then maybe like a wallpaper. There was usually three, two or three things there every day that you could just take. Uh -huh. And it was great because I didn't have money. It's like a curb alert, Facebook group. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like sometimes there was good stuff there. I don't know. Um, so that would be my favorite from the first game. The second game, I would say probably because it was new at the time, was the online portion. It was mm. it was really fun and I did play it a lot because I was on the website animalcrossingcommunity.com and I was trading and hanging out with making friends. Mm -hmm. And I was I must have been in like the sixth, fifth or sixth grade at that time. So it was really, really cool to be able to go to school and hang out with my friends and then come home and go on Animal Crossing and play with my other friends. Mm -hmm. um, I think we were both chronically online children. Yes, definitely. I also obviously had a couple of Animal Crossing boyfriends <laughs> that I would hang out with. Um, I love that. Players gotta play. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think for the third game, City Folk, City Folk was so underappreciated. <laughs> mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. There, It was basically the same as Wild World. So it had kind of all of the same additive stuff. And then there was another additional new aspect, which was that you could, there was a bus stop in your town and you could ride the bus to the city. So mm. largely, like I said, it's you're living in a forest town. Mm -hmm. But with the advent of City Folk, you could take a trip into the city and there, it was just, it was like a city block, basically, that you got to explore. And there were like five or six, like, shops that had never been in a game before that you could explore and hang out with. And then there would be other villagers in the city, like, usually not ones from your town, like, ones who were from other neighboring small towns that also had traveled into the city mm. to go shopping. And it was just a fun, cute experience, similar to as we live now in the suburbs. And then you go into the city and you just bop around. Yeah. Um, the, the shop that in the city that I liked the most was the auction house. And I think that it was ahead of its time. Like, I think that it, it didn't get used almost at all at the time, but it was so cool to me. And I wish that more people had used it and I wish that they would bring it back if they're going to do all of this weird online stuff that they're doing with it. But it was literally like, it was an auction house run by one of the gyroids the gyroids we, mm. we, we call them different things i don't know gyroids i guess is because they gyrate a little bit oh is that what they're is that how you actually pronounce it i think so yeah oh i call it a gyroid i i think it's hard because <laughs> it's that, like gyro hero yeah the it's you know 
Heroin is cuter. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but um, he like runs. I think his name is Lloyd. Lloyd. Oh, it's the same Lloyd. I think so. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, and he runs it, and you could so you could add friends on your Wii, and then you were just like kind of connected because the Wii was like a little bit more passively online than the DS was. Mm. Um, I have never played a Wii game <laughs> in my life. I literally don't understand anything about how the Wii works. I really don't understand how it works either, but there was something about it that was like on the DS, you had to like log on and hang out with your friends. Whereas the Wii mm. was kind of just connected to the internet. Like all the time. Yeah. Um, Interesting. And so you could go to the auction house, you could give him an item and set like a starting price for it. And then your online friends, when they went to the city in their towns, even though you weren't hanging out with each other or playing actively with each other, when they went to their town or went to the city in their game Mm -hmm. and went to the auction house, if you were added as a friend, your item that you put up for auction would be in their game. Oh, that's cool. And so your friends, like your five or six friends who may not even necessarily be friends with each other could bid on your item and one of them would win it. And then it would get sent away to them. That's really cool. Isn't it cute? Like, yeah, and I just really think, cute. I, I think that. that it was a missed opportunity. Like, I just think that people weren't playing Animal Crossing right again at the time <laughs> because it sh- there were never, I had tons of friends on the Wii at the time, but none of them ever had au- items up for auction and it was devastating to me. So that was my favorite from there, even though it went underappreciated. But yeah, um, I feel like the best mechanics always do. I know. Like, I just think that maybe the demographic was a little bit too young to understand how the fuck it worked. Yeah, maybe. And again, (laughs) like the point of this podcast is to deep it. But Mm -hmm. I feel like that I feel that way about resources in our general society Mm -hmm. that people just do not take advantage of the things Mm -hmm. that exist in our world. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. like I think about that all the time, like like in my job, which is a remote work environment, Mm -hmm. all of the fucking things that (laughs) Google Calendar can do. Yeah. All the functionality that like Asana has, like it's like it like is mind-boggling mm-hmm. like all of these little features that 90 percent of people don't use right that actually enhances your live experience every day <laughs> imagine that yeah, yeah and like the public library mm-hmm. that was the first thing that came to my mind when you said that yeah like you can get audiobooks and dvds and shows and all for free you don't have to go into the library anymore. you can rent stuff from home yeah totally yeah very good stuff but i think let's see what was what would the next game be the next game in the main installment would have been um new leaf on Mm. the 3ds i think it is right i think so yeah because then the two in between were like the little half games right yeah 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 um (laughs) (laughs) new leaf i think was the first game that you could more heavily customize your character like from the ground up oh you didn't actually talk about this Mm. so how does your character's appearance generate oh yeah so in the first I think in the first three games, you it's randomized. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a, a short experience where you're answering questions in most of the games. Um, in the first game, it's you're riding the train and talking to someone. In the second game, you are, uh, I think, in the car riding to the town, like someone's driving you there. Mm-hmm. In the third game, I think you arrive on the bus that also goes to the city. And then um, after that, you're riding the train. Again, the experience is a little different. But in the first three games, someone is like taking you to these places or accompanying you to these places. And they're just making small talk with you. And the way that you answer the questions generates a face for you. Mm -hmm. So obviously people have like cracked the code. And it's like, if you answer AAB, then you get this face. And if you answer ABA, then you get this face or whatever. Right, which again, Mm -hmm. in your opinion, is not how you play the game. How you play the game. (laughs) 
did I do it back then? Yes, because I cared a lot about it. But if if someone handed me the game today mm-hmm. and was like, here, answer these questions, I would just simply answer them. But yeah, it's because it's I about think- like curating an experience for you that's like unexpected that you're like intentionally engaging with it you're not Mm -hmm. trying to like cheat code it yeah you're not trying to hack the system because um more or less like the idea is that you are generating kind of a personality at the same time like Mm -hmm. your character doesn't really speak doesn't speak at all actually silent Um, protagonist mm -hmm. like link yes exactly and um like you don't have dialogue options and you don't really have a personality, but like your personality is your face basically in the game because you mm. are answering these questions, which these dialogue options are really the only ones that are meaningful at all for the most part in the game. Um, and based on how you answer, that is what you look like. And so it's, to me, it was kind of like a representation of like what your personality says about you or whatever, like one of those quiz, like who doesn't love one of those kinds of quizzes, right? But Oh yeah, I talk about, <laughs> I talk about Quizilla constantly mm-hmm. in this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> So that was also a fun element, but and I think New Leaf was the first one where you could really just choose what you looked like to some extent. Uh, I think you had a lot more options to change how you looked after the game started as well. Um, this is something that was not great about Animal Crossing, which was that your protagonist was always pale-skinned. Mm. Um, and then in Wild World, they introduced a quote-unquote feature where you could get a tan just by mm. hanging out outside in the summer. So you could potentially get a tan and make your character's skin a little bit darker in the summer actually you could get it pretty dark but then it was like a tan would fade away after the summer well i think it's important cultural context that this game is developed and created in japan Mm -hmm. right which um i have talked about this a little bit in like the k-pop episode and stuff but like most other countries and you and i have talked about this at length in our life Mm -hmm. like most countries are ethnically and racially homogenous Mm -hmm. That is part of what makes the U.S. the great experiment mm-hmm. is that we are a multiracial, multi-ethnic country. Yeah. And it is pretty rare. Mm-hmm. You know, like we are one of the few countries that have integrated racist and ethnicities living amongst each other in community. Right. Like that's not that common, even though we live in a globalized world. Yeah. And even in a democratized world in like the EU and like Europe and the UK, like those are still predominantly white countries, mm-hmm. right? And like the US is really unique in that way. Mm-hmm. And like, I won't go off on a whole tangent about <laughs> this, but I think that's part of why I get frustrated when people talk about how much of a dumpster fire the US is. Yeah. Because we're wrestling with systemic issues that other countries simply are not addressing at all. Right. Or, and like pr- pretending don't exist. Mm-hmm. And I think like the more globalized we get and like the consumption of East Asian media, especially in the States, mm-hmm. like, it does kind of require homogenous East Asian nations mm-hmm. to reckon with that, that yeah. they do have this like multi-ethnic audience for their mm-hmm. games. Like, um, cause I'm sure the developers in Animal Crossing were developing it, developing it for Japanese release. Yeah. Right. Like mm-hmm. not anticipating mm-hmm. a Western audience consuming that game. Right. You know? Yeah. I think that they, like most people who start something and try something for the first time would not have necessarily anticipated that it would get the Western following that it did. Mm-hmm. Um, in global. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Because Animal Crossing is pretty popular everywhere. Right? right. I think so. Yeah. But you know, it's just one of those things that's like, it's, it's uncomfortable as someone who is from a Western country and was born and raised here and is not pale skinned. Yeah. Um, to look back on. And at the time, of course, as a kid, it really didn't, make that big of a difference to me but now as an adult it's like "Mm, that's kind of weird that they did it like that but you know yeah things 
come and things go. But so well, I think the the developers have grown as the audience has grown and mm-hmm. they have, you know, done their their research to, you know, I think New Horizons is pretty yeah further along, which mm-hmm. I know you're getting there, but mm-hmm. you know, the game has grown as the audience has grown. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um I think to get back to what we were talking about originally. Sorry. No, 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 it's okay. Um my favorite feature from New Leaf, mm. let's see, would probably be um I really liked they had this um like feature that was like Captain would show up. He's just one of the NPCs. He's a Kappa from Japanese folklore. Mm-hmm. And he is kind of like this old grizzled fisherman type. Um, but he like runs a ferry service that's literally just him and his boat. And he would take you to the island that Tortimer runs, mm-hmm. which Tortimer is a turtle who used to be the mayor before you showed up. Mm-hmm. He retired. Um, and he now runs this like island resort where you can go <laughs> and you can um, like either you can choose to like play with your friends or you can choose to just go to like a random kind of online room where like other random people oh interesting wherever would show up and you could go and it was really just a place to like hang out on this tiny tiny island like microscopic like you can see across the whole thing on your screen um but it's then like you the could, club rooms in the pokemon games yeah and then you could go and like initiate like a mini game like run like you it was there were like four mini games that you could play either with your friends or oh, with cute. online randoms and there was never anything like that before even though there were a couple of other games um that had the online and there hasn't been anything like that in new horizons other than just playing online with people and so that was probably my favorite from that game well i feel like new horizons is kind of following this trend of um all of the switch games mm-hmm. of like moving more towards open world where like you don't need these delineated spaces for collaboration mm-hmm. because like you're there's less there are less um parameters around the gameplay yeah you know yeah definitely um which i think that brings us straight into new horizons mm-hmm. i think my favorite thing about new horizons hmm i think the house customization of new horizons is really advanced yeah i kind of started doing this in the happy home like in between game i wish i could remember the full name of it but um happy home whatever the last word is um association maybe i don't know but where like in the first in all of the games before these two games like the house system was it was like a grid most of the game is on a grid um there's no lines but like the grid exists over the layout of the land both Mm -hmm. in your house and outside and so you can only place items like one item per grid and in your house especially there are some items that are too long like two squares long or wide or whatever like not all of them are just one by one square um but your decorating options were limited to what you can fit in this grid which does make for a really fun and interesting challenge and it's cool if you can create a nice looking house within the constraints of that format but i have really enjoyed new horizons and and in the last happy home game where it allows you to kind of utilize half squares and so some stuff most Mm -hmm. of your stuff is still whole square numbered 
length and width, but you can place it in a half square. Yeah. So you can angle things or you can't angle things yet. That's more of a Sims thing I was thinking about, but um, you, well, you can, can you can definitely like, can't you like the statues can, and stuff? You can like put them on a diagonal. You can rotate them, Oh, gotcha. but you can only like, it's only a 90 degree increments. Oh, I see. Um, okay, okay. So you can't like angle something like kitty corner to oh, I see. the okay. wall or something like that, but you can, um, put things in half squares so you can fit more things in and you have more space to work with. So especially because there's not really a reason to like actually sit on your couch in Animal Crossing and watch TV. Mm -hmm. So you can put your coffee table and your couch closer together so that it looks nice, but you don't have to actually use that space. But now there's more space of it for you to use. Mm -hmm. Plus you have the options to hang things from the ceiling, which is new. Um, Mm -hmm. You can put stuff on the walls um, in a more predictable and user-friendly way you could do that in the last game new horizons has like a whole home editing mode when you walk into your house that you can activate Mm -hmm. that removes like your character grabbing things off the wall or picking things up off the floor and just makes it like a user it is kind of simish yeah it's like a little bit more streamlined where you can just use your cursor and select things and then they'll pop into the world and you can click and drag it rather than having to have your guy literally move his couch across the house right um which has made it a little bit more fun in that way, for sure. So yeah. I feel like for me, so I've only played New Horizons and I don't actually even really play it. I just watch (laughs) you play it every day. So we've kind of like integrated New Horizons into our daily routine. So Mm -hmm. we play it every night before we go to bed. Mm -hmm. It's like part of our nighttime routine. Yes. And I love it because like we don't actually really do anything. Mm -hmm. We just like bop around our town for a little while, Mm -hmm. but there's um, so many things that I love about New Horizons, but I have no frame of reference. Mm-hmm. So it's like interesting to hear you talk about it because I I wonder if I would even like the other games. Yeah. Because a lot of the things that I love about New Horizons, I think are unique to New Horizons, which mm-hmm. is that it's a beach community, mm-hmm. which I am from the islands mm-hmm. originally anyway. Mm-hmm. Like I always want to be near the ocean. Mm-hmm. So like I love, I love that it's a beach community. Yeah um i love the dreams mm-hmm. like that's probably my favorite thing about new horizons yeah. is is going to dream mm-hmm. going to see like people have uploaded their own islands mm-hmm. into like the cloud mm-hmm. and then you go to sleep and you dream quote unquote and you can like visit the islands that people have uploaded mm-hmm. that is like my favorite thing my mm-hmm. favorite functionality about new horizons that functionality is pretty reminiscent of how it was to quote unquote play multiplayer in the original Animal Crossing where like Mm. these people are not actually online playing with you or interacting with you but they have shared a version of like a screenshot basically of their town that you Mm. can go in and explore and you can talk to their neighbors you can't visit their store but you can talk to their neighbors you can go in their house you can't visit the store in the dreams either that's what I'm saying yeah yeah that's cool um I think what I like about it though is that it's a dream mm-hmm. like I love that kind of like whimsical element yeah. and a lot I would say like most of the people that upload their islands to the dream mm-hmm. upload either at twilight or at night mm-hmm. to like give you that dream vibe yeah, that dreamy vibe like mm-hmm. people are they're playing in the space right, right? and I like love that mm-hmm. like I don't know if it would have the same whimsy effect on me yeah to just like travel to someone else's town mm-hmm. and now I'm just like bopping around mm-hmm. like I like that we're like dreamscaping in our consciousness mm-hmm. like I love that part of it yeah um and that there's just like a bed in the town square mm-hmm. for you to like go and wake yourself up with yeah I absolutely love that because I love to see like what other people come up with mm-hmm. um and I know that this is the part of New Horizons that you don't like mm-hmm. and stresses you out a little bit yeah is that like people 
almost getting competitive about how their islands look. Mm -hmm. And I think this is one of the ways that you and I are like fundamentally different people, which is that I simply never feel in competition with anyone (laughs) ever. Um, I'm like the least competitive person in the whole world. Mm -hmm. I just think it's cool to go and see what people have done to their islands, Mm -hmm. like what their ideas are. Yeah. And like, I love when they have little packages to put on a specific outfit. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's so cute. Yeah. And like, um, you can like revisit the ones that you've been to before Mm -hmm. and like going in people's houses. Like, I love it. But I also, it's like almost dissonant for me. I have this like cognitive dissonance about it because I do also agree with you that like, it's not really the point of the game Mm -hmm. to like grind. Yeah and terraform your Mm -hmm. island to be this like insane concept yeah it's not so much the like not even the competitive decor like i think that the things that people come up with and even the towns that are packed so freaking full that your game lags (laughs) i still think that there's still stuff that i can appreciate about them because it's nice to look at and everybody has unique ideas Mm -hmm. what is weird about it to me is the way that people have like competitivized completing your town like Mm, people mm -hmm. have done like animal crossing speed runs of like zero to terraforming which is like terraforming you have to unlock in new horizons yeah and it's like based on a certain amount of progress that you've made in what is essentially an extended tutorial Mm -hmm. of like how to place furniture outside and like how to build bridges and like getting city ordinances set up and stuff like that, which that kind of sounds more complicated than it really is. It's like one thing that you can set up that's a city ordinance, but yeah, there's like all these building blocks that you have to unlock and complete first before they'll al- allow you to terraform. Mm-hmm. And so people have like made it into this, like, I just started my town last night, but I'm already terraforming because they've time traveled and they've oh, right. They're borrowed like, money yeah. and items from their friends and like, they like buy shit from people on Reddit. Yeah, have like broken the game so that they can terraform their island from the ground up yeah. as soon as possible. And I just, right. it's weird. Like, I don't think, to me, there's nothing really fun about that. Right. And that it's not it, the point. Yeah, it is very You're like losing the plot of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Because like the spirit is to like build a community mm-hmm. with your friends. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because we talk about this a lot too about like, um, like farming for villagers mm-hmm. to get like the exact villagers that you want yeah and like time traveling and people buy and sell their villagers too yeah that's wild (laughs) no you guys don't see anything wrong with that at all right nothing weird about that to you guys right you're um purchasing a game character whose purpose is to form a relationship with you yeah it's just like (laughs) i don't know like i get it that it's just pixels or whatever and it's like cool to like have all the same all your friends that you want to have in your town or whatever but it just to me is not in keeping with the spirit of Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. It's fine. People are allowed to play it like that. I just I personally don't. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think like the essence and the purpose of the game, like, yeah, they're just pixels, but like any art form, like just because this particular art form is interactive and digital mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's not an art form. And like yeah. I think art is always about saying something mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. And like one of the things that you and I talk about a lot that we love about Animal Crossing is like how like culturally connected we feel to it mm-hmm. of like sweeping up the like town square mm-hmm. like sweeping up outside like mm-hmm. that's so intrinsically asian mm-hmm. and doing the uh, group stretches in town square right like that. exactly yeah. and like so like 
there are these like cultural elements I feel like that are important and it's about like and like even the things that they say like they all have different personality types Mm -hmm. and I know this is controversial but in New Horizons most of them they've trended more towards all being very kind yeah which they weren't always Mm -hmm. right yeah um but it's like if a child is playing that game Mm -hmm. having a community of characters empowering you as a child is important Mm -hmm. you know very true and like how are you going to do that if you're just like farming for your little collectibles right yeah I think one of the most like clear-cut like examples of how weird it is (laughs) (laughs) um like how weird the attitude about it has gotten is that people have been since the game came out begging the creators like the developers to update with a patch that allows you to create things faster basically like there's an element of the game that's like DIY and you get like DIY recipes and then you can certain pieces of furniture you can build by hand that from like resources that you gather or whatever Mm. some of your tools you can build by hand and stuff and there's one item specifically it's fish bait like it's literally bait to go fishing with it like draws a fish to you immediately so you don't have to find one Mm. and people um will create like 50 of them at a time so they can just stand in one spot and fish for three hours and they've been begging people, the like developers to update a patch that allows you to create like bulk DIY, bulk DIY items. And it's like, do you guys not understand that they never intended you to stand there and make 50 fish baits in one sitting like that? To grind would, for the right. fucking hammerhead shark or whatever. <laughs> they like, would never put that in there because they simply don't want you to do that. Right. Like, it's just not. Do you think that that, do you think that fucking Bones is standing over there grinding fish <laughs> for 20 hours? Like, right. it's like weird. It, I, is it just weird. is like, it, it seems like you want to play a different game. And you point. can like <laughs> tell that the game is not meant to work like mm-hmm. that. Like whenever we sell, a, like we let a villager leave mm-hmm. and then we're looking for a new friend. Because mm-hmm. we do buy into it a little bit where we don't just let it randomly select a villager mm-hmm. for us. So we do go looking on other islands mm-hmm. for villagers. And like, you can't just travel from island to island. You have to come home and go mm-hmm. back out every single time mm-hmm. because it's just simply not meant for you to get on and off the plane 20 times. Right. That's mm-hmm. like not the point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just think that it's uh, interesting the way that the like playership has trended. Yeah. Um, and at what point, like, I think this is like the age old question for creatives. Mm-hmm. Like, are you creating for your vision? Are you creating to sell to the audience that has adopted your game? Mm-hmm. And like, again, not to deep it, but I wonder how much uh, Western adoption and appreciation of Animal Crossing mm-hmm. has shifted this culture. Cause mm-hmm. we live in such an individualist capitalistic society mm-hmm. in America or in the United States specifically mm-hmm. of like wanting to have the best Island, mm-hmm. having the best villagers terraformed right perfectly whatever have the best score whatever whatever mm-hmm. like how much does western influence have on people's on how people are playing the game right you know yeah definitely i think that's something worth studying if you're in grad school for sociology <laughs> you should study that i graduated <laughs> already but i think that'd be an interesting paper yeah definitely. so before we get into our like our closeout questions mm-hmm. i thought we could hit some of the fan faves mm-hmm. and your opinions of them mm-hmm. So, um, thoughts on KK Slider. KK Slider. He is extremely cool. I've talked to you recently about this quite a lot. I think he's very cool. And I do love that he's had this extremely meteoric rise of like 
he in New Horizons now he comes to your town every Saturday just like he always has he comes to your town every Saturday but he sits in the town square all day and just plays tunes for people all day long Mm -hmm. and then at night he has like a special concert where you can request one specific song and he'll play it for you and then give you a hard copy of it to take back to your house um that last part of it has always been the same but in the first game he literally sat outside the train station on Saturday night like by himself on a crate he was and, like a busker, right? Yeah. And he like, you had to go find him. I didn't even know he existed for the first like several months <laughs> I played the game because I was again, nine years old and I wasn't playing at like 8 PM even because that was bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you go out after seven and he's sitting out in front of the train station playing on his guitar and it's just you, it's just you. And you ask him for one song and he plays it for you and then he gives it to you. And then ever since then, in each game, he's gotten a little bit more popular. He's had a little bit more of a spotlight and now he's like very famous and everybody talks about him. Like he's he's like a rock star. Right. And I do think that that's cool. But again, like there's something missing about the quaintness of like Mm -hmm. you having this relationship with KK Slider where you are the only person who ever comes out to listen to his songs. Yeah. And I just think that there's something sweet and cool about that, but I do love him. I think that that's very touching and poignant and I and I wonder for people like you played it from the first game Mm -hmm. of like I knew KK before (laughs) yeah very hipster which he really is a hipster so I think he has an appreciation for that so but yeah it's it's very there's something about it you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah for sure yeah okay red red uh I don't feel as strongly about him as everybody else seems to Mm -hmm. I think he's he's like the tumblr sexy man of animal (laughs) comedy He's kind of he's definitely one of them. He's very much up there. Mm. Um, but I think that he's always kind of creeped me out, which I think is his intention. Like I think he's yeah. supposed to be kind of a skeevy weirdo. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the first game, I was really scared of him. Yeah. <laughs> and he like sets up a tent in like a random square in your town and you have to like find him on the day that he's there and he bullies you into buying items that are way too expensive and it was just really overwhelming i'm still overwhelmed by that right like he's like a street hawker like chasing you down like you've ever been if you've ever been to chinatown in new york city it's like that yeah his tent literally says black market on it it just (laughs) really scared me it was i was like oh god this i shouldn't be here (laughs) and now he's like what is it like the like emo like not like other girls girls love red <laughs> yeah he, he's like an art peddler now which seems like a slightly more respectable profession but like some of his art is fake and back mm. in the day he didn't sell art at all he just sold nice items so it was like really just like why do I even come here I don't want your items man <laughs> right yeah. that are obviously stolen yeah yeah <laughs> yeah okay um Tom Nook Tom Nook I liked him better when he was an asshole. <laughs> mm. I think he's much nicer now. Um, but it's like boring. Yeah, it's like the zing is gone. I'm. Yeah. Just, I feel like I sound like a boomer, like old man yells at cloud or whatever about how we're oh, allowed. Everything's changed. When I do the Pokemon episode, <laughs> I'm probably gonna get canceled because I have such strong feelings about Pokemon. But like, I really just and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, which is why I offered this as a topic that we could do the podcast um, on together. Mm-hmm. But like, I just. In the first game, he's like so rude to you and he calls you stupid several times because you moved away from home without a house and without any money and like you don't even know how to plant flowers and don't dilly dally, I'll be watching you and like all He's like pretty stuff. lecherous. Like I feel like he's like He is. He's supposed to be very like that's the perfect word for him. He's supposed to be very lecherous in the beginning. Like he's like he's sneaky. He's he's it's implied that he's taking advantage of everybody. He's the only shop in town. So he has like it's like a small tiny forest town but people are like oh he has a monopoly and it's like yeah he does (laughs) (laughs) and then he eventually expands even more into real estate and like that's largely what he does now he doesn't really run the store his nephews do but he like 
manages and sells all the property on the island and apparently all the islands across whatever ocean we live in and it's just like he's but he's very very nice now he's kind of more bumbling yeah like, but the, still like, somehow a proficient salesman the dynamic <laughs> i've noticed of the like tumblr sexy man shipping of tom nook and red <laughs> is that like red is the one that's smart mm-hmm. and he's like outsmarting tom nook all the time yeah but that wasn't their like original personality no they were very antagonistic towards each other which they don't even acknowledge each other anymore well that i think the antagonism is why people ship them yeah but sure sure, it's like sure. the enemies to lovers yeah definitely but i'm saying like now in this game they don't even you they, they don't may speak. as well not even <laughs> exist to each other something happened they must have broken up i guess <laughs> yeah they're exes <laughs> yeah yeah because red goes on the opposite side of the island even mm-hmm. he wants yeah. to come he's sneaky about it he's like nowhere near the town square that's really <laughs> funny yeah is isabel just in new horizons isabel goes back to i think uh i think she was definitely she's definitely in new leaf she may have been in City Folk. Because the girls love Isabel. I love Isabel. I think she's very nice. I think she's harmless. A lot of people nowadays don't like her because she does the town announcements. Every time you log on for the first time in New Horizons, mm-hmm. in a, each day, um, she does like a, a short town announcements where if anybody's visiting or if there's an event, she'll like let you know. Sometimes there's nothing for her to let you know. And she says that. She's like, I don't have a lot of news for you today, but... And then she'll share a very brief anecdote about her personal life, about like a movie that she saw or something. And people are like, I wish that I could fucking skip this. I hate it. She's so annoying. It's such a waste of my time, which is that same mentality of like, I could be grinding fish bait right now. Instead of just listening to your friend Isabel tell you what's going on in your town. Exactly. It's like really weird to me that people are so mad about it. That energy is bizarre. So deeply harmless. And it's like so cute. You get to see her sitting at her desk in the fucking town hall. And she changes her little outfit. She wears a different outfit sometimes, depending on the season. She changes the flowers on her desk every now and again. I love that. Yeah, it's very sweet to me um so i like her i'm a fan i think she's very helpful and she like basically runs the town <laughs> she's like right you're she's like being exploited by tom Nook. right you're like <laughs> the mayor or whatever the island representative but she really is the one behind the desk like actually doing everything grinding yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> isabel is the only one that should be grinding an animal exactly she's got the grind to do who are some other like core characters that you feel like because I'm thinking of, like, the ones that I like. Like, mm-hmm. I love Orville and Wilbur. Mm-hmm. And, but I, they're only in New Horizons too, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you have strong feelings about it's, like, fucked up that they're an, endang- they're an extinct bird species. <laughs> not especially strong because Captain has always been in the game and he is not real at all. Like he's Right, never- but, the, but neither is Tom Nook. He's a Tanuki. Right? That's true. He's, like, it's passive. He's, like, he is a Tanuki. He's a raccoon dog he's a or raccoon. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but, like... We've had this conversation more than once where you're like, it's like one thing for it to be fantasy, but for them to have been a real bird that has now died. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like a little questionable to me, but there is also actually an elephant character who's decorated like a woolly mammoth. Like it's implied that he's a woolly mammoth. Oh, okay. That's so cool. I don't know. Like, and then there have also been characters like from, they were in the uh, original Nintendo 64 game that were robots. Um, oh, were, like, like the octopus. What's his name? Oh yeah, there's a- uh, Cephalobot. Yeah, Cephalobot, who's in the game now. Um, but there was like a cat and a dog robot before Oh, too. that's cool. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I understand that it's not their first foray into creatures that don't actually exist or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But it's just fucked up that they definitely should be dead. Right. They As opposed be. to everyone else who like may or may not exist or whatever, right. or is a construct. But it's like, okay, this is weird, you know? Because <laughs> yeah. like, 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 for me, if I really let myself go there in my mind, <laughs> I'm like, oh, whoever was the island representative before you 
found dodo fossils and brought yeah. them to Blathers. Because that's even worse and... is that there we dig up fossils every day and Blathers identifies them. And then there are fossils in the museum and that they should also ostensibly be fossils, but yeah. they're just here among us. Right. <laughs> and they're sexy. <laughs> no. Ah, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Speaking of Blathers. Yeah, I like I was gonna say Blathers. I love Blathers. He's another one that people don't really like because he <gasps> in his name, his name is Blathers because he talks a lot because he's very passionate about everything that he gets to study and manage at the museum and he has always has like lots of facts about the items that you bring him which now they've made it so that you can skip it all together like you don't really have to listen to blathers talk all that much but we never do i never do um but also a lot of times like now when you bring him something you have to bring it to him and instead of donating it you have to like say tell me about this um otherwise he just like won't he'll be like he'll like start to tell you about it and then he'll be like oh but i shouldn't bother you with that and then he'll like cut himself off and then just take your item and it's see <laughs> this is why i i am self-conscious and when so when honor and i first started seeing each other mm-hmm. three years ago probably every other conversation i would have with you i'd be like am i talking too much <laughs> yeah. because i feel like and again that's kind of like the thesis statement of this podcast is like people like me and blathers mm-hmm who like to talk excitedly about the things that we like mm-hmm. have been um, silenced <laughs> and discouraged from yeah. doing so. Right. Like um, I'm going to have blathers on this podcast <laughs> to talk about why he hates bugs so mm-hmm. much, but like, I love blathers for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we, so for Halloween last year, mm-hmm. we went as blathers and Brewster. Mm-hmm. Brewster is the, he runs the cafe. He's a pigeon. Yes, mm-hmm. he's a, a pigeon and runs inside the museum, yes. like a coffee shop, mm-hmm. which Blathers is a man of science mm-hmm. and you're a man of coffee. Mm-hmm. So I'm a man of science and you're a man of coffee in real yeah. life. So like that was like the perfect costume. Yeah, it was very fun. It was really cute. Mm-hmm. But there's like some semi-canon lore <laughs> about Blathers and Brewster being in a relationship. There, There is a relationship between them, whether it's friendly or more, who can ever be sure? To me, it's romantic. <laughs> of course. You have you have this man open a coffee shop in your museum that you run. Like mm-hmm. He's the only person that you're in contact with after being on an isolated island for however long. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. To me, it's romantic. I but, love it. And if you use the camera and you zoom in on the wall in the cafe in the museum, there is a framed photo of Blathers and... Brewster together Mm -hmm. um just standing in front of a coffee shop nice picture of them together it's just cute it's so cute Mm -hmm. and I just really identify with them Mm -hmm. like in our relationship yeah because I simply am incapable of shutting the fuck up I have a podcast and Brewster is a man of few words he barely talks Mm -hmm. in the game and like one of my favorite things about the game is going and sitting down and going through the whole slow ass sequence (laughs) of him pouring you a cup of coffee Mm -hmm. Am I going to get pigeon milk today or not? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's very much our dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when we're in mixed company. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> Otto just, like, simply doesn't talk. <laughs> yeah. And I am simply incapable of not talking. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, like, very much saw us in their relationship yeah. a lot. And so it was really fun to dress up as them for Halloween. Yeah, definitely. And we, like, bullied our friend Mary into not dressing as Celeste. Because <laughs> <laughs> Celeste is Blathers' little sister. Yeah. And so, I was like, don't throw away our costume. <laughs> I was like, this is a couple's costume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that to yourself. Yeah. And to us. <laughs> right. Like, we're not going to go as a triad Halloween <laughs> party. But I think that's cute, too. Like, Mary has also a connection to, like, Blathers and Celeste mm-hmm. with, like, her twin sister. Yeah. So it's, like, I think it's, like, cute. Like, you can find these relationships mm-hmm. that are, like, you can 
identify yourself within the game yeah which is nice with these like core characters mm-hmm. that are in every game mm-hmm. which is cool mm-hmm. okay so we talked like a lot about like the gameplay and like the ideology and all the iterations so like if we were to like sum it up put it in a box tie it in a bow mm-hmm. in your opinion why do you feel like um animal crossing is like important or impactful mm-hmm. like in our culture i think that all the weirdness aside, I do think that it still maintains that through line at its core, like what people do with it, kind of like Death of the Artist or whatever, like what people do with it is one thing. And it's mm-hmm. it's kind of almost a separate thing sometimes. Um, but I think the game itself, through all of its iterations, has maintained the through line of taking time to just slow down and experience the things that are happening around you. Um, because even though you know, in the first game, you couldn't actually hang out with your friends. Um, Even though, you know, one of the games, the whole concept is that like, you get to go to the city and that obviously the city is more bustling than like a quaint little forest beachside town. Mm -hmm. Um, Whatever, like, even though all of these different things have been true about it, it, it always is still about just like living in your relatively isolated community with your friends who you build a relationship with and um, just experiencing things in real time as they happen to you whether it's um a rainy day or whether it is a snowman telling you you did a bad job of building him like whatever it is like there's so many different things to see and experience in all of the animal crossing games Mm -hmm. that it's like you are compelled to play every day you're compelled to set aside 20 minutes out of your night every night and just like log on and check on your crops or whatever yeah um because it really does draw you back in because there's just something about it that feels better a little bit even if your life is really good which i would argue that our lives are pretty good yeah um even if your life is pretty good there's just something that's a little bit more magical and mystical and brighter about uh your animal crossing town yeah i agree i look forward to doing our little tasks every night like i feel like i can't sleep yeah if we don't play it me too it's like i'm like i have to pick my crops and i have to talk to olaf and you know like um i do i i agree i think that it is a good way to like remind us that like the constant false urgency Mm -hmm. of living in a pro-capitalist environment Mm -hmm. is like not real like we don't have to get into that so I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my last question is, and I'll say mine too. Okay. Who's your favorite villager ever? Ever. That's really hard. If I could only choose one, it would be Bones. Tell us about Bones. Bones is a dog, <laughs> which is so unlike me. Yeah, it really is so unlike <laughs> But he lived in my Animal Crossing Wild World to town. He lived by the beach. And I would go visit him every day. He was just, he was lazy type. So he loves to snack. He loves to snooze. He's kind of weird. He's kind of gross. He's just a cool guy. I don't even remember what it was that caused me to attach him so intensely. You love a gross, weird little dude. (laughs) Yeah, I do. (laughs) All you hear of Pokemon are the gross, weird little guys. That's true. (laughs) But he just was my good, good friend for a really long time. And this is back in Wild World where you really couldn't, sometimes control when they moved out of your town like Mm. nowadays they bring it up to you and you always have the opportunity to tell them no yeah um but back then like especially if you didn't log on for like a week or whatever like sometimes people would just move away 
Mm. And you would log back on and they would just be gone. And they sent you a letter to say goodbye. It's been real. But, um, oh, that's sad. Yeah. But I don't even remember if that was exactly what happened or if I just stopped playing the game after that or for a while and then just never thought about it again. But he was my best friend. What did he look like? He was white. Um, his the very tip of his muzzle is pink, like blushy pink, and then his nose was black, and he had a brown spot over one eye, um, and then his ears were like tipped in gray. I think he has and he, little spots. He looks like Wishbone. <laughs> he's in New Horizons, right? <laughs> yes, he's been in all of the games, definitely since Wild World. I'm not sure if he was in the first one, probably, but he's in all of them. But I've never um, reconnected with him. I've never had him in my town ever since. Well, we will. Maybe someday. We will. We'll Hopefully. find him. I'm going to do some of my heavy hitter honorable mentions. Okay. I love Bam. Bam is a good one. I love she that blue deer. <laughs> I love him so much. Yeah. He's so cute. <laughs> um, He's like a himbo. Mm-hmm. I love him. Uh, I love Olaf mm-hmm. so much. Olaf isn't your number one. No. Oh. Wow. This is breaking news. <laughs> okay. I do love Olaf mm-hmm. and I love um I love all the anteaters. Mm-hmm. I love their fluffy tails. Mm-hmm. I think they're so cute. Very cute. I love them. But my favorite is Rover, even oh, though I see, we I can't see. have him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like frustrating that you can't have mm-hmm. him, but I just love him. I, I love, love him. the mystery mm-hmm. of him. Yeah. He has strange vibes. He does have strange vibes. He has strange vibes since the very beginning. I like love it. He yeah. reminds me of a Murakami character mm-hmm. of like, is he real? Mm-hmm. Is he, is he like a sprite mm-hmm. of the universe mm-hmm. and like the multiverse of Rover? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's like spooky. I love him. He's the second character you ever, ever, ever encounter in the original GameCube version. The first one is KK because he mm-hmm. he's sitting in a dark room playing his guitar and he just like tells you, wow, it's cool that you're setting out on your own. And then he sends you away and then suddenly you're on the train and then Rover walks up to you and talks to you. Yeah. See, it like gives me chills to think about yeah. like. Like almost like a spirited away, like you're mm-hmm. sitting on the train mm-hmm. and this freaky cat comes and talks to you. And he's the one who steps aside into the like next car and you can see him through the little window and he calls Tom Nook and is like, I'm sitting here with this kid who just doesn't have anywhere to go. Um, mm. Can you give him, can you set them up with a place when they get to your town? And you just happen to be going to the town that Tom Nook works in and Tom Nook sets you up with a house because Rover called him and asked him to. Right. Like, I just feel like he's like the guardian. Mm-hmm. Like, I love him. And then... Um, I don't remember what the event is but when you go and you like do the maze. It's for May Day. For May Day. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, and then May Day is, so um, is a very important mm-hmm. holiday for those of us in the social justice space. Um, and like, he's just like sitting on the edge of the cliff waiting for you mm-hmm. at the side of the maze. Like, I just think that he's so interesting. Yeah. Like, I love him. So he's my favorite. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. But Olaf is my favorite that you can like acquire. Hang out with. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um cool so thank you for chatting with me about animal crossing thank everything you. i know about animal crossing i learned from you <laughs> thank you for having me on it was really fun to talk about i really uh enjoy that it's part of our routine it's very fun to me me too mm-hmm. and i feel like it's probably one of your oldest fandoms right oh yeah big time i've had an account on animal crossing community since 2006 damn that's yeah. a long time do you, do you think it is your oldest fandom or do you have one that's older no, I think it definitely is. It was, I don't necessarily know that I was participating in fandom when I was nine years old. Um, Not everyone's insane like me, I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> but definitely since 2006 when I made that account. So I think it probably is the first one that I was ever in. Yeah. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. cool. The, the first episode that you're on was your very first fandom. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> cool. Well, anything you want to promote or talk about or share? 
Yeah, I guess you could check out my website that has some of my writing on it. I have some published works, um, some short poems and, and uh, short stories. Uh, you can go on my website, which is autola.card.co. Uh, it's the same as the Get Your Fix podcast website. It's C-A-R-R-D dot C-O. Um, and it's just autola. It's the first part. Yeah, that's cool. all I got. And what is your writing typically centered around? Uh, oh, I usually write about um, masculinity, romance. There's some surrealism, parasociality, stuff like that. Yeah. Weird, cool, queer, spooky stuff. Yes, yeah. love that. Definitely mm-hmm. our vibe. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's all for this episode. And thank you all so much for listening. Um, I would love if you want to come hang out with me over on Instagram. Um, and you can chat with me about your favorite childhood video games or maybe what you're currently playing. Maybe share your uh, dream code if you have an island so that Otto and I can check out your island in a dream. If it's uploaded, that would be great. Like we mentioned, we don't really play online. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe don't drop your friend code. No, I won't add you. I won't add you, <laughs> but I will come check out your island in a yes, dream. Yes. And uh, yeah, you can also like yell at us if you completely disagree with how we feel yeah. about the game. I'm sure I have some strong opinions in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's totally welcome. Like, let's discourse in the Instagram comments. Unless you're rude, then I'll block you. <laughs> but if you like this episode and you want to support the show, uh, you can leave me a review on whatever platform you're currently listening to this on. Um, and like I mentioned at the top of the show, you can turn on automatic downloads. Those two things really help uh, in getting the Get Your Fix podcast discovered and like pushed to the top of the entertainment category. So really appreciate that. Um, and as always, if you want me to chat about a specific property or you have thoughts on what I've already covered or you have corrections or updates, you can send me an email at getyourfixpod at gmail.com. And I will catch you all in the next one to chat about our next hyperfixation. fixation.